0: Morning everybody. Morning. Welcome to Epic. If you're new with us, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here and I think you came on a great Sunday because today I'm gonna to give a vision message related to our church. So if you're somebody new just kind of trying to explore uh, Epic, and maybe you're trying to look for a new church home, I think today's message can help you figure that out, figure out whether this is a place you identify with, whether this is a place you think, man, I could be a part of what they're doing. Or you go like, no, nope, not hanging out with the bald guy or that group. So I think you could figure that out today. If you are a regular part of our church family, I think today's message can help you figure out what we are supposed to be doing as a church. So today's message is going to remind us of what God wants us to do. And maybe you'll find a new thing that maybe God wants you to be a part of for us to fulfill the vision and mission that God has for us. So whether you're new, whether you're a regular attender, I'm glad you're here. Today we're going to be in Acts chapter 15. So if you have a Bible with you and you want to flip over to Acts chapter 15, if you have a smartphone, you want to pull that up. If you don't have a Bible, if you have a dumb phone, then the verses are going to come up on the screens. And what I encourage you to do always is take notes, whether that's with your phone, whether that's with pen and paper, uh, however you take notes. When we take notes and write things down and come back and, and review that stuff later in the week, it helps to embed what we are learning. And I hope that you'll make it a regular habit uh, for taking notes. So we'll be in Acts chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 1, but let me tell you what happens up until Acts 15. So we have uh, Matthew, uh, at the end of Matthew, we've got this amazing thing that's happened. You've got Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. He has revealed himself to over 500 of his followers. He gathers his followers together, and he gives them the Great Commission. He tells them to go into all the world and tell people about him and teach them and baptize them. And he says, first, wait until God gives you the gift that he's going to give you. So don't go until the gift comes. Anybody know what the gift is? The The Holy Spirit. He says, wait in Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit comes. So the Holy Spirit shows up in the book of Acts. And he empowers and he indwells those early Christ followers. And then there's this explosive growth that happens in the early New Testament church. So we've got just a few people believing in Jesus. And then that group starts to expand exponentially. In one encounter, Peter, the apostle Peter stood up and he preached. And 3,000 people put their faith and trust in Jesus and were added to the church that, that day. And everybody's going, wow. And I say, man, I got to work on my preaching. Because when I preach, it just doesn't quite happen like that. So amazing growth has happened in the early New Testament church. And then persecution came, something that often follows exponential growth in in our lives individually as well as in in churches. So persecution came. There's a group of people that were not excited about this Jesus movement. And they wanted to end it. So they started threatening those early followers of Jesus with imprisonment and death. There were many of those early followers that said, you know, we've got to run for our lives. So there were families that moved. There were communities that moved. They moved from their Jewish communities around Jerusalem, and they moved to other parts of the known world. They moved to Gentile communities, and they were running for their lives for safety. But when they got into these Gentile communities, and a Gentile is just somebody who's not a Jew, they got into these Gentile communities, they didn't hold their faith to themselves, They didn't say, well, we better not share our faith or something bad's gonna happen. They shared their faith in those new communities and the movement continued to grow. Now there were Gentiles coming to faith and being added to the church. Now, we think that's super exciting because that's uh, exciting for us. Many of us, I would think, are Gentiles, not Jewish. There may be some of us that are Jewish here. But back then, it caused a big rift in the early church there were many Jews that felt like they were God's specially chosen people and God's message of salvation was only for them, for no one else. So they had a big conversation. Can Gentiles even join our group? There were some that said yes. There were some that said no. And then they, they started to realize that God was giving the Gentiles the Holy Spirit as well. And so they started to to realize, you know what, they can, can be a part of our faith as well. But then we get to Acts chapter 15, and we've got a major issue that the church has to resolve. So here's what it says in Acts chapter 15, verse 1. It says, while Paul and Barnabas, and these are two early missionaries to the Gentiles, while they were at Antioch of Syria, some men of Judea arrived and began to teach the believers Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. So these are early followers of Jesus showing up, giving an an obstacle to these people trying to find Jesus. In verse 5, it says another group of early Jewish followers came and they said, The Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So there's an early group of followers of Jesus that said, faith alone is not enough. These Gentiles, who've been outside of our faith, outside of our group for a very long time, they have to do something in addition to faith in Jesus so that they can now have faith in Jesus and be a part of our group. So in essence, they put obstacles in front of those Gentiles who were seeking God and God himself. So I'm going to use these boxes this morning to represent the obstacles that were placed in front of these early Gentiles. So give me just a second to get these obstacles in place. They put the obstacle of circumcision. They put the obstacle of following the rules and being really good at following the rules. They put all these obstacles in front of people who are seeking God And God Himself. So, verse 6 says this. They had a big issue whether they were going to allow this or not. It says, So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts. He confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? Verse 11, we believe that we are all saved the same way, by the undeserved grace Of the Lord Jesus. Super important verse there. We are all saved the same way. Whether you are Jew or you are Gentile, we're all saved through the undeserved grace of our Lord Jesus. Verse 12. Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And when they had finished, James stood and said, this is James, brother of Jesus. James stood and said, brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted. And then he gives an example of that and says, listen, everybody, this isn't something new. We shouldn't be surprised about this. A prophet's have been telling us that this was going to happen for a very long time. And then in verse 19, he makes this declaration statement, the statement that all of us, should know and hold tightly to. It says in verse 19, and so, my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult for people who are trying to find God. The other elders and church leaders agreed with James. They wrote letters to the Gentile churches, these Gentile believers. And they said, listen, you don't have to be circumcised to become a follower of Jesus. We're all saved by the same undeserved grace of our Lord. And when they sent those letters, Scripture says there was great joy in those communities. Can you imagine reading that letter? Honey, like I don't have to be circumcised to become a follower of Jesus. Yes, it's a good day. So those Gentiles were super excited, and the movement continued to spread around the world. But there's a real sad reality that has happened in church world and with Christ followers for a very long time. We have misread James' declaration, and we have kind of made it our church motto in a lot of churches and for a lot of Christ followers. And our motto kind of goes like this. We take out one word, and we say, we should make it difficult for people who are turning to God. Like, we should make it as hard as possible for somebody who is seeking God to find him. And for hundreds of years, we've done a really good job at that. We've done a really good job of making it very difficult for people who are trying their best to find God. And we've put all kinds of obstacles between spiritual seekers and Jesus. We've put the obstacle of uh, clothing and music and language and hypocrisy and bad theology. We've even put the obstacles of judgmentalism and legalism. So all kinds of obstacles that Christ followers and church leaders have put between people seeking God and God himself. And so I'm just gonna explore a few of those things and how they apply to us as a church. So I'm going to start with the obstacle of clothing. I grew up around the church world, and uh, the churches that I grew up in had this kind of unspoken rule that sometimes was spoken about clothing, and it was that if you didn't show up in approved church clothing, you were not welcome. What that meant for guys was you had to wear slacks and a dress shirt and a tie, and for ladies, you had to wear a dress, not a skirt. You had to wear a dress, and that dress better be long. It better not be close to your knee, because that is very inappropriate. And if you showed up at church and you were outside of dress code, you would either feel that unspoken message, or someone might tell you the message that you weren't dressed appropriately for church and possibly that you were not welcome. Friend of mine, years ago in his life, he was a teenager, um, had a very rough upbringing, uh, was in a tough season of his life and he was trying to find God. He felt like, I I just gotta, gotta turn to God, like, I need help, I need more help than what I can find in my life right now. And he thought, you know, like, I should, I should go to church. Maybe I could meet God there. Maybe God uh, could help me if I just go to church and kind of make some connections there and get some help. So he decided to go to church. Problem was, he had long hair. was kind of a punk rocker back then. Uh, only had kind of ripped jeans and a T-shirt. And wore that to church. Walked into church, and one of the church leaders confronted him and told him he was out of dress code. He said, uh, go cut your hair. Go put on church clothes. When you do that, you can come back. It took my friend over 30 years to come back to church. It was a huge obstacle. And he said, if that's what God is like, if that's what Christians are like, then I don't want to have anything to do with it. And he walked away from church for a very long time. And then... He got to another spot in his life. And his life was in a worse spot. And he was married and had kids and his life was unraveling. And he's like, Again, I need God. I need something. So he was on this journey searching, trying to find God, trying to get help. And he decided, you know, I I gotta go somewhere. I don't know where to go. He opened up a local newspaper and he found one of our church ads. And at the time we had an ad, as we started out as a church, we had an ad um, that had a picture of a guy, kind of like me, dressed in a T-shirt and jeans, had a Bible holding, had a tattoo on his arm, had a skull and crossbones, uh, belt buckle. We took a lot of flack from the Christian community for that skull and crossbones in that ad. (laughs) But my friend saw that and went, God, I have no idea what a church for people who don't do church is, but I'm curious. He came wanting to hate it. He came in shorts and a t-shirt. His hair wasn't as long because it you know, just kind of naturally decided not to be long for him. <laughs> so he didn't have that option anymore. So he came in wanting to hate it. He came in wanting to say, see, God, you're just not an option for me. That didn't happen. There wasn't the obstacle there of clothing. And so then his wife came, his kids came, his father-in-law came. They all put their faith in Jesus. They were all baptized. And just a few years later, his father-in-law died. And his father-in-law hadn't been in church in over 44 years because of some obstacles that somebody put between him and God. And I like, think of that story, and I'm like, wow. And he could have been kept from God because of the silly obstacle of clothing. Now, let me be clear about something. I think we should wear clothes when we come to church. (laughs) Just saying, I think that's appropriate. So I'm not like promoting a nudist church or anything in our community. That's that's weird. But I, I don't think that there should be church clothes. So every once in a while, I'll meet somebody in our community I'll invite them to church. And they will still say to this day, it's, it's silly. They're, you know, they're, they're operating from an obstacle that's been out there for a very long time. they'll say, I don't have clothes to come to church. And I say, yeah, you do. You're wearing them. Like, whatever you got. You got jeans, you got a shirt you got shorts, whatever. Um, one of the reasons I dress casually on many Sundays is because I want that person who's come in seeking God to sit down and go, if the bald guy can wear jeans and a t-shirt, I guess I'm okay here. Yes, you are. Again, clothes would be a good thing. But beyond that, whatever. We should remove that obstacle from people who are trying to find Jesus. Another obstacle is music. This is an obstacle that's gone, gone back for a number of years. Um, how many of you grew up in church contexts where you sang beautiful old hymns All right, many of us, many of us, and many of us love hymns. I love hymns. I'm a fan of hymns. This is actually one of the hymn books from one of the churches that I grew up in, and uh, it's fun to flip through sometimes. There's some amazing songs. So what are some of your favorite hymns? Amazing Amazing Grace, Old Rugged Cross, Come Thou thou Fount, that's my favorite song right there. There There's some amazing songs, just as I am. Um, amazing songs that we've sung in churches for a very long time, but put yourself in the spot of a seeker, somebody who knows nothing about those songs, and put yourself in that spot. You sit down and you start singing, okay? So I'm going to give you an example from one of my favorite songs, Come Thou Founts. Listen to just a few lines from this song, okay? Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace, streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above, praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, here there by thy great help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. Now, if you grew up singing that song, you go, wow, that's deep and rich. If you didn't grow up with that, you're like, what's an Ebenezer? Ebenezer. And can I raise it in church? Like, is that appropriate? Like, I don't know if that's okay. There's nothing wrong with hymns. But I think sometimes hymn can be an obstacle if we don't explain it. If we don't help people understand what that language is. Many times we don't don't use a language that comes from the 1800s or the 1600s. So we just have to help explain that stuff so that it's not an obstacle for somebody who's coming to find Jesus. Another obstacle that's out there is the obstacle of language. And if you've been a Christ follower for a while, you've probably forgotten that we Christians speak a churchy language. We speak this thing we'll call this morning Christianese. And not everybody speaks that. And everybody knows what what that is. Again, I grew up in church world, and so it was common for us to talk about sanctification, justification, substitutionary atonement, very deep um, doctrines of the Christian faith. But if you don't know what those doctrines are, you hear those words, and you go, what does that mean? Like, that is just some different stuff. And so I think we've got to work hard to explain that stuff so that people understand it few years ago my wife and I were sitting in a doctor's office. We had uh, some issues my wife was dealing with medically and so we needed some advice and guidance on what to do. So this doctor was super smart. Not only medical doctor, had a PhD in biochemistry and she worked hard to speak down to my level and I worked very hard to listen up to her level but there was a gap between what she said and what I understood. And I got about half of what she said. But much of it, I'm just going like, I'm trusting you, Doc. Like, I don't know what you're saying. Like, just tell us what pill to take, and we'll try it. Now, we may tolerate that in the medical community, but most people don't tolerate that in the church community. Again, if you are a seeker, and you are trying to find God, and you come in, and you sit down in a church environment, and they use these big churchy words that you don't know, you most likely will feel like an outsider, not an insider. And how long will you hang out in a group like that? I'm not thinking very long. So I think we have to work hard to remove the barrier of our Christianese so that people who are trying to find God can understand it. So we should... Tell people about God's amazing grace in everyday common terms because it's so amazing for everybody. And Jesus said, even a child can understand it. So we need to explain it in a way that all of us can understand it. Another one of the obstacles that stands between people trying to find God and God Himself is the obstacle of bad theology there's a lot of bad theology out there and uh, if you are kind of looking for that and listening to people around you talking you'll you'll hear it all the time and we actually discovered some of that when we were down in Guatemala so uh, i got to be involved with my family on our trip our first trip to Guatemala this summer and had an amazing experience with that team And the the, uh, home that we built, we built on Monday. There's actually some pictures going to come up on the screens here to kind of help me tell the story. So that's our team uh, building this home. And we're standing by the home. It looks kind of like a glorified shed, but it's an amazing home compared to what many of these families live in. And you look in the middle of that picture there, you'll see a lady smiling. She's holding a little baby with a little blue and a green sleeve. She's smiling. Her name is Carmen. That's the mom that we built the home for. So we're building the home on Monday, and on Monday, Frank and I, one of the team members, he speaks Spanish, and I speak no hablo. (laughs) So we went to talk to her, and through Frank, I had a conversation with Carmen about her faith, and found out a little bit about her life and about her faith journey, and found out she's not a Christ follower, and the reason she's not a Christ follower is because she said, I'm not good enough. I'm... I'm afraid my imperfections will cause God to judge me severely. If I mess up, God will punish me so bad. I just don't want that. So that kept her, that bad theology was the obstacle that kept her from finding Jesus. So I tried to help her understand correct theology, help her understand that God is a God of grace and mercy, and our relationship with him is not based upon what we do, it's based upon what Jesus has done. And I asked her, Would you like to follow a God of grace? She said, I would, but I need to think about it. So she thought about it until Thursday. Thursday, we had about 50 moms come to an event that we had, and we had several of our ladies from our team share their story, their God story, how God has transformed their lives. And so um, they shared the story. Then the ladies came out afterwards, and um, Frank and I um, met Carmen again. And so I asked her, I said, have you been thinking about what we talked about? She said, yeah. I said, would you like to follow God of grace? And she said, yes. And so that picture right there, somebody took, of her receiving Jesus as her personal Lord and Savior. So I walked her through the ABC prayer of salvation. Uh, God, I admit I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe Jesus is that Savior and died so I can live. And I commit my life to following You. That was a kind of a holy moment for us. This felt like we were standing on holy ground. Like what a privilege to remove the obstacle of bad theology from someone so they can meet a God who died so they can live. Wow. There are people like that everywhere. There are people like that around you at work, at home, at school, wherever you go. There are people that have bad theology and however they got their theology, whether it's because we didn't explain it right, because they got a wrong perception or whatever, wherever they got that, there's something keeping them from Jesus and God wants us to help remove that bad theology. There's all kinds of obstacles keeping people from Jesus that are around us. And maybe you're not a Christ follower and maybe you've identified a few things this morning that have kept you from getting to know the God who loves you. God wants those obstacles removed. He sent Jesus to die so that those obstacles could be taken out of your way so that you could meet him and be transformed by him today and for all of eternity. And if you are a Christ follower, God wants us to do everything we can to remove the obstacles that stand between spiritual seekers and God himself. Why? Because of James' declaration. We should not make it difficult for people who are turning to God. Now, the reason I think James made that statement is because of another doctrine in scripture that so many of us don't understand. And the doctrine is this, God is for you. Do you know how many people don't believe that? Carmen didn't believe that. Carmen thought God was against her. Carmen thought God was the one putting the obstacles between her and him, and he was the one making it difficult for her to even ever find him. And if she didn't do everything perfectly, she would suffer, and she didn't understand correct doctrine that God is for everyone. God is for you. And God wants us as his followers, if you're a follower of Jesus, God wants us to go everywhere telling everyone about that doctrine, that God is for them, not against them. So we've been working hard at that since the beginning of our church. We're almost nine years old. And over the past nine years, we've worked hard at letting our community know that God is for them, and so are we. And that's why we take international mission trips. That's why we serve our community through 3G Sunday and 3G Saturday. That's why we do food drives with Grace Community Food Pantry. We, we work with Alpha Pregnancy Center. We, we build homes with Habitat for, for Humanity. That's why when a hurricane rolls through town, we mobilize teams to go out and help get people's lives back in order. Why? Because we want people to know that God is for you. He's not against you. And if you can understand that, that may just be one more obstacle that's taken out of your way so that you can find him. Now here's a new aspect of our vision as a church. Our elders, which is a group that provides spiritual leadership to our church, our elders sense it's time for us to get serious about getting into our own facility. So we sense, you know what, it's time for us to do that. For the first three years of our lives, we were down in the realty building on State Road 100. Past almost six years, we've been here. And we have loved the buildings we've been in and the partnerships we've been able to establish. I met with our principal, uh, new principal here. Uh, In the past, we've been here six years. We've had five new principals in six years. (laughs) And God has been very gracious to us. Uh, Any new principal... And we could be out of a school. We could be out of a facility. Any new superintendent, any new governor, um, at any point on the journey, we could be forced to find a new home. Uh, So God has been very gracious to us. And so I met with that principal, and he said, man, I love what I hear about your church in our community. I mean, I just hear about you guys everywhere. I drive by on Sunday, and I'm like, who's got a school event going on? Oh, yeah, that's the (laughs) church. So I'm so grateful for the partnerships that we've been able to establish. But again, we sense we can't stay here forever. And we know we've got to be working now for when God might want us to get into that facility. So just so you know, um, sometimes people ask, like, are you ever looking for anything different? I've been looking since almost day one of Epic starting. I've had so many conversations. I drive through our community and look at land and look at buildings and look at options all the time. If you've got an idea, I bet you I've I've had it first. I've seen it. I bet you. Maybe not. I'm not not saying I've seen everything, but just saying we've looked for a very long time. Our elders have done that as well, and our staff have been involved in that. Um, So if we were able to find a building that would work for us, we'd be very open to that. But at this point, we haven't been able to find a building. We're very interested in the 100 corridor where we started. That was where we began as a church. We're very interested and we're called, feel called to that. And why is because we feel like the 100 corridor sits right at the middle of our community between Bonnell, between Flagler Beach, and Palm Coast. It's like kind of at the crossroads of our county. And so we feel like that's a great place for us to be what we call for Flagler. So our local missions motto is the two words for Flagler. We want our community to know that God is for them, and so are we. And so that drives us in what we do and why we do what we do. And so again, we're looking for a place where we can continue to be for Flagler Flagler County. Let me tell you what I see happening at that facility and some things that we can't quite do in rent and facilities. I see a place where people in our community who don't know where to turn for help, and I'm just curious, does anybody know anybody right now who doesn't know where to turn? Who's in a spot where they're like, I don't know what to do next, whether that's emotional issues, that's physical issues, that's spiritual issues. I would love it to be known in our community that if you don't know where to turn to for help, you call 321-EPIC. That's not our phone number, but may- maybe, <laughs> maybe one day that'll be our phone number. I don't know, I don't know. But I would love if the, if the word got through the community, you, you call EPIC, you go visit EPIC. That's a place that'll help you emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I actually see a counseling center established where people can get top quality biblical guidance in those spots where they're not sure how to get get moving forward in their lives. I see a place where students are mentored. I see a place where families, broken families, are mended. I see a place where single parents are strongly supported. I see a place where our business leaders can come together and figure out how together to serve our community and raise a level of leadership uh, within our community across the board. And most importantly, I see a place that's got kind of a flag stuck in the ground with a big banner that says we are for our county because God is for our county. And thousands of people coming into a personal relationship with Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That is the most important thing we could ever do in the mission of our church is to lead people into that life-changing relationship. And over the past nine years, we've seen over 500 people do that. Anybody excited about that? So that's cool, but we live in a community of over 110,000 people. There are thousands of people in our community that are far from God, don't have a relationship, but there's all kinds of barriers between them and God, and God wants us and other churches in our community to join together to reach those people so they can come into a life-changing relationship with him. So we think a facility of our own will help us do some things that we haven't been able to do fully Uh, in our rented facilities. So here's what I ask you to do. Number one, start praying for our elders. Our elders need wisdom constantly. If you're ever wondering what you should pray for your church leaders, wisdom. We need wisdom. As we're praying, as we're sensing, as we're seeking, as we're looking, as we're asking God, knocking on doors, we need God to clearly show us what to do, how to do it, where he wants us to be, um, what that price tag might be connected with that facility, that land. I also ask you to start praying about what God might want you to give towards that. And this is where everybody kind of leans back on their wallets a little bit, holds their purses a little bit tighter, so just relax. I'm not after your money today, okay? But if we would join together and say, you know what? God, I I want to give out of what you have given me. I think we could see some amazing things happen through a facility, through land that draws people And um, I actually believe this is a a pattern through scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, I think Jesus confirmed it. I think if all of us who have a church home would give back to God through that church, 10% of our income, and then above that, give offerings as we feel led by God, I believe if we just did that, every church could fulfill the mission. That God has for them. And every church would be that place where the community says, if you need help, that's the place you go. I just think it's as a standard in scripture where Jesus says, hey, if you're part of a church home, give 10% of your income, come back to God through that church. And then in addition to that, if you feel led, then you can give special offerings. So for those of you who may feel led to give towards our land and building fund, we actually have on our website right now where you can give, and our land fund, our building fund, is called Four Flagler. It just helps remind us what we're supposed to be doing and who we're supposed to be here serving. Uh, so you can do that whether you give online, whether you give through our giving boxes, uh, whether you're giving cash. Um, just put Four Flagler, and all that will go towards our building fund. Now, here's what I ask you not to do. When we get into spots like this, and again, I've been in church world for a long time, and I've I've done this myself, um, sometimes I I hear a challenge and I go, great, I'll take my regular giving and I'll give that to that fund. Um, That's exciting for that fund. It's not great for the general fund. So all the stuff that we do on a regular basis happens because of us coming together to give our time, talents, and resources. So what I ask you to do is if you feel led by God is to give above your, your general giving patterns um, and again, only as you feel led to do that. Now, I get people that ask me uh, periodically, that's probably one of the biggest questions that I get in our church is, are you guys ever gonna get into a facility of your own? Are you always going to be in a school? So for some people... Uh, it's as if they kind of feel like we're a gypsy church. Like, are you going to be here tomorrow? You know, like, I'm going to make an investment. Are you going to be here tomorrow or next week or next month or or next year? Are you really solid? Are you really going to be a part of our community? And for some people, not everybody, but for some people, us not being in our own facility is an obstacle, And again, we're working hard to remove obstacles, and we've worked hard to remove the obstacles not having a facility and leveraging rented space for that. Uh, But again, we sense that God is telling us it's time for us to get serious about looking into that. How long is that process going to take? I don't know. It could take six months. It could take two years. I'm not sure. Um, But I know if we aren't working on this now... um, I'm not sure that somebody's gonna just walk up and go, hey, here's a building for you and here's some land for you. Like, that could happen, but I'm not sure that that's gonna happen. So we're knocking on doors and sensing what God wants us to do with that. So if you feel led to join us with that, I hope you will. Now, getting back to Acts 15. James said we should not make it difficult for people who are turning to God. So if you are a Christ follower, are you contributing to that in any way? Are you making it difficult for people around you who are trying to find God. And maybe you're making it difficult by how you live. Like Maybe you are the obstacle at work. You know, there, there are moments in my life where I would uh, admit I'm the obstacle I'm not living like Jesus wants me to live. I'm not handling that relationship conflict issue the way that I should. And in those moments when I'm doing that, in those moments that you're doing that, we are the obstacle. And so God says, identify that and address that in your own life so that you aren't the obstacle. Remove that so that somebody who's looking for Jesus can find him. Or maybe you aren't the obstacle, but maybe there are obstacles that are out there And maybe you haven't done what God wants you to do to remove those obstacles from people. And I think you can probably identify for somebody that you know, somebody at work, somebody at home, somebody at school, maybe you know what their obstacle is, but are you doing enough to help remove those obstacles? You know, like in Carmen's life, are you doing what you need to do to help them understand correct doctrine and theology instead of bad theology? We have a responsibility to do something to remove those obstacles. If you aren't a Christ follower, maybe this morning you've identified a few of those obstacles. And I think God wants you to know this morning he wants those obstacles gone. And I hope what you'll do today is you'll come up and you'll push those obstacles out of the way and you'll find Jesus. So we're about to wrap up our morning together with our worship team coming out and singing that last song that we sang, The Way. And maybe this morning you're on the way of meeting Jesus And I hope today that if you haven't put your faith and trust in him, that you will, that maybe in this song will be that moment where you walk through the ABC prayer of salvation. You say, I admit I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I believe Jesus, you are that savior and I commit my life to following you. That could happen this morning. This place could become holy ground for you. And I hope you'll make that decision if you're not in that spot. But whatever you need to do this morning, whatever your action items are, process that through this song. And don't leave here the same. Leave here knowing that there's a declaration the early church said that we should not make it difficult for people who are turning to God. So I'd say let's go out and live that every day. So if you would, stand with me. And let's pray. Our worship team is gonna close us out. So God, thanks for, Lord, that declaration you recorded in scripture for us. Um, Lord, that That first church meeting where they had to make that big decision could have played out very differently. They could have said, you know what, we should make it hard for people who are turning to God. But they didn't. And so, God, we have our marching orders. Every church has their marching orders to do everything we can to remove obstacles so people who are seeking God can find him. Lord, I pray that you would embed that into who we are so deeply that that we would understand that, we would see obstacles, we would work hard to remove every obstacle that we could find that's holding someone back. And Lord, there might be somebody here this morning that hasn't put their faith in you. And I pray that today, maybe even in this moment, they would recognize that here you are standing in front of them saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And I pray that they would put their trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.